my name is Bob Marty. I'm uh, obviously not Brother Alex. Uh, he called me uh, middle part of the week and asked if I would uh, be kind enough to come over today. We are members of uh, First Baptist Church, Sun City West. I'm co-chair of the missions committee and uh, Sante Church is one of the churches we sponsor. And I just want to say we're delighted. The first time anyone from the committee has been here. So I want to say we're delighted to see the ministry, the life uh, that you're going through, the growth process. It's, 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 a, it's astounding. I can't wait to get back to the church to tell them. Again, my name is Bob Marty. I'm a retired Baptist minister. I was ordained to the ministry. Now, don't anyone go, oh. I was ordained to the ministry in 1964. I was just a baby. But I was ordained to the ministry in 1964. I attended a couple of uh, college, one college and one university. I went to Southwestern Seminary and got a graduate degree there. Then I went to Midwestern in Kansas City, Missouri, and got my doctorate, uh, which that doesn't mean much, but, but I got it nonetheless. Uh, I've been uh, active in the ministry since I was 18 years of age, uh, when I was pastoring my first church. And uh, with the exception of 10 years I spent in administration at the university, I've been in the pastoral ministry. So I'm delighted to be here. My wife, Barbara, is not able to be with us today. I know uh, we're talking about lemons. Uh, my wife had a lemon in her life uh, back the 1st of August. Uh, she had a stroke in the temporal uh, artery of her left eye and lost total sight uh, permanently in her left eye. So uh, when we talk about lemons, I can kind of share a little bit on what Barbara ha has gone through. Barbara and I have five children, three girls and two boys. We rather raise boys any day than girls. Too much drama with the girls. <laughs> we have uh, 14 grandchildren and uh, five and almost six great-grandchildren. And uh, I just don't look that old. Uh, <laughs> come on, a little story wouldn't be bad, you know. <laughs> It'd be all right if you wanted to do that. Uh, Brother Alex asked me to come today, and uh, he wanted me to... Uh, try to, to draw together as best I could uh, the experiences you've had in studying about lemons that happen in the lives of people. Now, we did not get a chance to talk much on the phone, but I do want to ask a question. All of you know what a lemon is, don't you? All of you have bitten into a bitter lemon, right? How many of you have made lemonade? Would you Lift your hand if you made lemonade. Did you put any sugar in it, or did you just drink the lemon water? Lots of sugar, Lots of sugar in it. I, yeah, because that's the only way to do it. One thing we want to remember is this. We all have lemons in our life. Every one of us. We don't want to admit it, because a lot of times what we want to do is we want to be able to handle those things by ourselves. Now, I asked that question on purpose a moment ago when I, well, I made the comment and, I, and said to you, uh, how many of you have had lemons in your life and how many of you made lemonade? Well, we've all had the lemons and we've all tried to make some lemonade. But what we're looking at here today and trying to pull everything back together as best we can, having not heard any of the messages uh, that uh, Alex has preached and uh, not knowing exactly how to go about this, we're going we're to get through this today. Because what we're going to remember is that in the Bible there were those men that you have been studying 
who went through life experiences that you call a lemon. Things got miserable. They got miserable. In our lives, there are things that become miserable. In our lives, there are things that are difficult. Alex said, we have been looking at those who had the lemon experience at 32,000 feet, which means they were up there. We were here, but we were looking up and thinking about people who had those experiences in their life. Have you ever had anyone come to you and to say this? You will get through it because I've been there. Anyone ever said that to you? Everyone probably has heard someone say, you'll get through it because I've been there. Sometimes people want to say to you, oh, everything's going to be all right. Well, what does all right mean? Does all right mean we're going to get by and that's all there is to it? We look at the Bible. We think about those men, even the women, who went through those experiences in their own life, and they were bad, and they were terrible. They were awful, and they got through them. How did they get through them? They got through them with the help of God. The only way you can get through problems in life is with the help of God. Now, one thing I want us to always keep in mind, that is this. The men and the women of the Old Testament and the New Testament were people who are exactly like we are. Flesh, blood, emotions. Tears, frustrations, and anger. You take off what you're wearing. You put on a robe and a pair of sandals. You go back and walk in their sandals. You're going to find out what life was really like to live, be lived. What we want to understand is they went through their struggles. A lemon is a struggle in life. A lemon is something we did not anticipate or expect. I wonder how many of us would even want to acknowledge the fact this morning that there have been those experiences in our life of which we're very uh, disheartened when we think back about them. And then we say, well, I finally got through that. Did you really get through it? In the preaching that Alex has done, I am more than confident in what he had to say. And he was undoubtedly sharing with you this simple fact. The men you've been studying got through what they went through because of the grace of God. Period. The grace of God. We get through circumstances and situations in our lives because of the grace of God. I, I got to thinking, and he told me just two or three people you talked about. He said, for example, Daniel. What happened to Daniel? Daniel went through an experience in life. An experience in life in which he defied a king because he was honoring the king, God. He ended up in a lion's den. Can you visualize that? In the lion's den? You go to bed and you lay down and you put your head on a lion? When we were in Africa a few years ago and I was teaching for five weeks at a seminary in Africa, in Zimbabwe, we went to a lion reserve. You went in and you could drive through it, but they had this sign up that said, please do not put your window down. I thought, well, who's stupid enough to put their window down? <laughs> so all of these lions are out there and they're all milling around. So we stopped so inside, from inside the car. We were taking pictures of these lions. And this one lion walked up on my side of the car. He put his paw up on the window. Well, I'm like this, but I immediately became like this. I leaned over in to Sam's side of the car. He was driving. He was a 
one of our Southern Baptist missionaries. And I leaned over because I didn't want that thing coming through. What happened? Daniel laid down and slept with him. Slept with him. Now, that's amazing to me. When you stop and you think about it and you realize what happened. Job, have you ever lost anything in your life? Job lost it all. He lost everything he had. And everybody came and said, you've been disobedient to God. And because you've been disobedient to God, God has done this to you. He lost everything. He lost his wife, his livestock. He lost his children. He lost his reputation. You name it, he lost it. And sitting there in the ashes, crying out to God, why? Why? Because in the mind of Job, he what? Job had been obedient to what God wanted him to do. And when you're faithful to God, you wonder, why, why am I being punished like this? Well, we know the outcome. The limit in that life turned out to be the lemonade because of what God was getting ready to do. And we'll go on and on. Biblical character after biblical character, and we stop and think about them. Abraham. Abraham. What was one of his lemons? God said, Abraham, you take your son and you sacrifice him to me. Does that sound like the God we know? What did Abraham do? He takes his son. He goes up to the mountain. They build the altar. And he says to his son, lay down. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm not being funny here at all. If my daddy would have taken me up to the mountain and built an altar and told me to lay down on it, I wouldn't lay down on it. I'd have to be manually picked up and laid on that thing. But it seems as if the son was obedient to the father, doesn't it? Just as Abraham was obedient to God. Correct? Because what did God say to Abraham? I will, what? Provide the sacrifice. He lifts his hand to take his son's life, and guess what happened? There's a ram whose horns are caught in a bush right over there. God provided. God provided. How many times in our lives, when we've had bad lemon experiences, has God looked at us and taken hold of us, lifted us up, and given to each of us that which we needed to get through that circumstance, and our life changed? God is God. The songs we sing are about God. God is God. There is no God like Jehovah, right? No God like Jehovah, but He's there. And then we get to thinking yet more. And we look today at King David. King David is a, a mystery to think about and to consider. King David was born to a king, a king's kid. Oh, our kids got a reputation because they were preacher's kids. That they couldn't be controlled. Well, ours got controlled. But they, well, that's a preacher's kid. They, they grew up in a preacher's household. Does that make them different? No. In fact, our oldest daughter, Angela, Angela Dawn, one day, we go home and we're sitting down to the table to eat. And Angela says, Daddy, I learned something Sunday school this morning. I said, what happened? She says, Mike, that was one of my deacons. She says, and he was tending the nursery, and he and says, well, Mike showed us this little thing where uh, you put your hands like this. She said, this is a church house, and this is a steeple. 
Y'all heard that? Open the doors and there are the people wiggling because your daddy's preaching too long. <laughs> Mind you, I was a deacon doing that to me. But when we look at David, he was raised as a king's child. Who's going to cross David? Now, David has a very unique personality. And we're going to get to our text in just a little bit, and it's going to be toward the latter part of the message, so don't be concerned. But David had an unusual life. He grew up. He had everything he wanted. He was a typical child, thought he could do anything. He decided, because no one was going to be able to do it, that he could get a lot of money if he wanted to, if he would go out and face Goliath, because someone who could kill Goliath was going to get all this money. So little David says, no problem, I'll take care of that. So what does David do? He goes out. Now, I, I've tried to find out how big Goliath was, and I have no idea. But he's big, big. So here he is walking into the valley, and here's little David walking into the valley. And as he walks into the valley, he looks across at him. What would you have thought if you had done that? I refereed high school basketball and a little bit of small college basketball for 22 years, 35 years of high school football. That was my release. One of the last high school games I called was in a tournament with out-of-state teams coming in, and I threw the ball up to start the game. I'm five foot eight, and I looked up. And I had a boy 6'9", a boy 6'11", jumping center. And I said, I wonder if they'll bring me a stepladder, throw this ball up. <laughs> David must have felt the same way. Because he'd heard of this giant. He'd heard of Goliath. And what does he have for a weapon? A slingshot. How many of you have used a slingshot? I'm not coordinated enough to have done it. I never used a slingshot where you swing that thing and you know how to release it and that, that object that's in it is going to go and hit something. And there was little old David. Now, I, I'm going to think this morning just for the sake of thinking, David was my size, a little guy. And this is a big guy. Well, now, what's David thinking? I would have thought, what am I getting into? N not David. He, he, had, he had all of the nerve in the world. Scripture teaches us, took his slingshot, put the rock in it, swung it around, released it, bang. Hit Goliath right between the eyes, falls to that ground, he's dead. Now, don't you think that a lot of attention was given to David after that experience? A little guy killed a big guy. God's still in it. God's still in his life. God still knows what's going on. David grows older. So David is up on the roof of the house one time, and he looks across at another house, and he sees a beautiful woman bathing in that house. Well, David decided he's going to go make a house call, and he does. He commits adultery. Then he wondered, what am I going to do because I've committed adultery? So he comes up with this plan. 
because he finds out later that he impregnated the lady. Bathsheba was her name. So he's, in a, he's having a quandary. So then he decides, I'll call her husband, who's in the military, to come back. And then everything's going to be all right. But the husband didn't want to go home for whatever reason. David's stuck. The king's son, so he orders that the man be brought back. Well, David, in the meantime, decides, I'm going to take care of this. So he has the woman's husband killed. So now, where are we? We've gone from killing a giant to committing adultery, committing murder. Then when he becomes the king, he marries numerous women because he made peace in all of the kingdoms all around him by marrying another woman. So he had multiple wives and multiple children. But in the midst of all the lemons in his life, guess what? God was still at work. Now, why am I going through that? And why have you heard that when we talk and have been talking now about lemons, the life of lemons? Because in the middle of every single thing that happened, God was there. In your life, no matter what it is that happens in your life, God is there and God is at work. Now, David is credited with writing a lot of the Psalms. Now, the only Psalm we're going to read this morning is the 23rd Psalm. It doesn't say anything much about the life of David, but listen to what it does say. You know it. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, and you are with me. You and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now mind you, the man who wrote those words it's the man who killed a giant, committed adultery, committed murder, married numerous women all over the place, yet God was still in his life. God was still saying to him, I will take care of you and I will protect you. Every one of us who are here today, every one of us who are here today, have difficulties and problems and things that happen in our lives. Lemons that take place. Things we don't know why, and we wonder why. Everyone has a limit. But the question that would come to me is, how do you handle it? What do you do about it? David listened to the voice of God. David heard what God had to say. Now, David, just like every other character whom you have looked at, had difficulties in life, but realized this. I have gotten through it, or I can only get through it with God's help. Now, folks, we have difficulties in our lives today. But the only way we get through those things in our lives is with the power of God. 
when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior as a 10-year-old boy, I didn't have any idea what God was going to end up doing in my life. I wanted to be a veterinarian having grown up on a farm. That's what I wanted to do. God called me to preach, which, by the way, a little bit of what I think is God's humor. I found out about 22 years of age that I had a severe allergy to dogs and cats. <laughs> so in the midst of what God was trying to do, I wanted to do something else. But for whatever reason, God wanted me to do this. And sometimes in my life, I want to do things one way and God wanted another way. Sometimes I won, but wondered why he allowed it. Well, what do you think happened when I did it my way? More times than not, I messed it up. Because I was not listening to what God had to say in all of our lives. If we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we are able to understand what David was talking about in the 23rd Psalm and those men that you have looked at already who had a life of a lemon. That in the midst of the greatest difficulties in life, God was there with you. And because God loved you and me so much, the Bible says that He allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, God's Son, to come down to earth to live as a man. He died on a cross for one reason, because of the love that He has for you and the love He has for me. God's care and God's concern is your life and my life. Have you ever heard anyone say, I know this is wrong, and I know, I know that I need to talk to God about it, but God wouldn't understand. What is it God cannot understand? God understands everything no matter what it is. God already knows it. Have you ever stopped to think that God knows us so well? He knows what the thought is in your mind right now. He knows what you're going to do in five minutes. He knows the next word is going to come out of your mouth and you don't even know what it's going to be. God knows us. I don't know about you, but that's a startling thing to think about. That God knows all about me before those things ever happen in my life. People always said, Bob, God doesn't have to work too hard in counting the hairs on your head, does He? No. God has enough problems just dealing with me as a person. But that's how well God knows us. That's how well, how well God knew those men in the Bible that you've looked at when you looked at the lives of lemons. God knew what their need was. And God took every single one of them. And look what David says in the 23rd Psalm. Look what he says. There is peace. The song, Peace in the Valley. But there is peace that comes. What is the peace that comes into the life of an individual? It is the peace that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And no matter who you are, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's so simple. Some people have even said it's too simple. No, God knows what He's doing, doesn't He? God says all you need to do, all you need to do is confess your sin and receive Jesus Christ to come in as your Lord and your Savior. That's all it is to it. And we try to complicate those things God wants us to do. But when you look at what David said, I... I I can't verify what I'm saying, but I'm going to say it because I believe it strongly. David believed every single word he wrote in the 23rd Psalm. He believed it. 
He could look at the life he had lived. He could look at everything that happened in his life. But now he has found peace and joy because of God. We have something today David and those other men did not have. We know the rest of the story. They didn't. They lived more by faith than we do. They knew something was going to happen in the future, but they didn't know what. But now we have experienced the birth of Jesus Christ, whose birth we'll celebrate in just a few weeks, when God became man. We know how he lived his life in obedience to God. We know Jesus never committed a sin in his life because he was God. But we also know that he died on the cross for you and for me because he loves us. We know the rest of the story. That if death comes into our lives today, if it comes into my life, I'm going to go be with the Lord. I know it. I'm sure of it because God's word promised it to us. But those men lived lives of faith without knowing the end of the story. They simply knew that I need to be obedient to what God wants me to do in my own life. Now think for a moment. Has God ever asked you to do something that you said, I cannot do it? Sure, it's probably happened. I still don't know why God called me to preach. I don't understand it. I'm by all, all tests that, that are run. I'm a classic introvert. I, I don't enjoy being in front of people. I don't enjoy talking. But when I get up to, to preach, I enjoy what I'm doing. Because God takes us where we are. He puts us where he wants us. And God gives us what we need for that moment in our individual lives. When we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, life doesn't end. Life is just then beginning. It now is starting all over again. Because that which was so much to us, which was ourselves, now, because of Jesus Christ, becomes second place in our life. And Christ becomes number one. How? How do you take the men in the Old Testament? How do you look at a life that had problems and difficulties over and over and over? And these men had to depend upon God speaking to them, talking to them, telling them what to do, and they were obedient to Him. And their lives bless our lives. No, we may not have to lay down in a den of lions. We may not have to sacrifice our son. We may not have to, not have to do anything that was done in the men of the Bible. But folks, don't be surprised if with the lemons in your life, God takes it and makes the sweetest lemonade you've ever tasted. When God takes the worst that life can be, and God becomes the center of that life, then everything begins to change. It's different. Why is it different? Because we're different. When Christ comes into our life, we become a whole new person. A being like we have never been before. Our responsibility as a Christian is to serve Christ. If you're here this morning, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All you need to do is to ask Him to come into your heart and forgive you your sin, and He'll do it. I would recommend you would talk to Alex. 
as quick as you can if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He'll show you the way to salvation. He will show you what peace and joy is. And there's a happiness that comes from knowing Jesus that cannot be found in any other way. This is a church that loves not only God, but loves people, wants to serve people, wants to minister to people. Asante, touched by the hand of God, touched, become a church who has a reach beyond just the building here, but throughout the community where any of you might live. You see, God never has and God never will make a mistake. When he forgives us for our sin, it then is to have no more control over who we are and what we are because we become a child of the king. Pray with me if you would. Thank you, Father, for the study that Brother Alex has been leading in for the last several weeks, taking lives that had difficulties and problems that looked impossible to handle and to deal with. God took those lives we've called lemons and made sweet lemonade out of them because of your holy presence in that life. Father, might your holy presence in our life change and transform every single one of us who are in this place today. Father, you've called us as your child to be faithful to you and to serve. And we have the blessed privilege of sharing with others what Christ has done for us. And if there are those here who have never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we pray that the convicting power of your Holy Spirit would move in their lives and they would come and seek the truth of what Christ can do and who Christ really is. We love you. We thank you for the blessed privilege we've had today to be in your presence and to worship your holy name. Continue to lead as we worship together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.